Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Wednesday night, and tonight we're bringing you a very, very special episode. I say that every time, but that's usually <laughs> because all our episodes are really special. We've always got really cool guests for you lot listening at home. Would you agree, J. Mac? Uh, recently, yes. Um, I mean, <laughs> it used to be that I was the special guest every week. <laughs> now, we're actually getting people that want to come on. It's great. <laughs> a growth, growth. That's growth. That's growth. <laughs> yeah, and, it's, and it's all down to my hard work <laughs> exactly j mac i'm so glad i'm so glad we have you here <laughs> oh, me too me too uh, so on today's show as you guys will have seen throughout the week uh dustin mcneil the one of the writers on taking shape and taking shape part two uh that's not all he's done he's done uh, various different books from uh fan i've never really watched phantasm but i will ask him about that phantasm exhumed uh there's slash of the titans which we've spoke about on the doug curtis episode you can see that up there in the in the corner slash of the titans the the story of freddy versus jason which took 10 years to get from a to b then to c and d if you get me <laughs> but uh, the guy has written so many different really and I likened it to the Bible of trivia. Um, one thing I don't think he does a lot of is, is his own opinion. So we're going to find out a, a lot about that today on, mm. on this episode. But I mean, if if you could get any book that is, when when Dustin McNeil and his team put the name on a book, you just know it's going to be the ultimate trivia experience. Not only that, but never heard, never read before interviews. Uh, I actually listened to the audio. I've got the audible version of both because mm. I'm always on the go. No way in hell I'd get through that. I mean, it, I think it's like eight hours long. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, I to... a, a book, a book like this would normally be maybe two hundred, two hundred and fifty pages, something like mm-hmm. that. But this is—I uh, don't even know how many pages it is because again, I did the the audible it's version, like but it was thirty. It was thirteen hours long for <laughs> taking shape, and I was really surprised. I was like, yeah. It, we'd actually arranged to have Dustin on a while ago and it, and it didn't happen for various reasons, but uh, I downloaded the audiobook like two days before we were going to do the podcast and it came up 13 hours long. I was like, oh shit, I'm not going to get this done. <laughs> uh, but, but fate stepped in and let me finish it and yeah. it was excellent. Um, the, so much information in it and it's impressive. The I mean, the, the amount of research that must have gone in it is astounding. So look forward to picking yeah. them. About the really picking, great him, thing picking his brain about that the really amazing thing about it is it's such easy listening because you just enjoy it every single chapter it goes through all the halloween movies every single one of them not just the ones that you're supposed to like uh, but without further ado i'm just going to play this clip and then we'll have dustin here on the show there is a new book out called taking shape this book is incredible now this book is dope as shit it is the ultimate text on the halloween franchise we have exclusive interviews by screenwriters and directors we also have facts that even the most diehard of halloween fans will find surprising the authors are dustin mcneil and travis mullins and this and this book that they put together is absolutely fantastic there's a book out from dustin mcneil and travis mullins taking shape Two. look at this thick thing this basically is a phone book. And I mean, if you hit someone hard enough with this several times in the head, you could probably kill them. Hey man, I'll tell you what, it's a great read. Yeah. Those guys really know how to put it into the text and it it smells wonderful as well. Uh, 600 pages of Halloween gold, in my opinion. It was just fantastic. Very well researched, just a very good time overall. I've always wanted to have a book that documented, you know, this great slasher series, and uh, I absolutely think this is a must-have. 
Ladies and gents, Dustin McNeil. J-Mac, you were going to say something. What? I was. That's the first time I've seen a book review that said if you hit somebody hard enough with a book, it'll kill them. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's an achievement in and of itself. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Dustin. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you guys for having me, Jay, Kevin. Great to be here. It's absolutely our pleasure. Um, so we're going to go through essentially your journey from being a fan to becoming this author with a such a following the reason i actually found taking shape is just like yourself i'm a huge fan but we both are major fans of the halloween series and we follow all the you know the community groups and it, i kept seeing this taking shape taking shape and i was like oh that, that's great and it was so many people singing the praises and then i downloaded the audiobook and i was off to the races and um, for yourself where did your love for halloween start i mean for me i was I've said this previous on previous episodes. Uh, I had cousins that were older than me that used to let me watch a lot of things that I shouldn't have watched at the age I was watching it. And the first the first glimpse of Halloween I got was the the Daniel Harris Halloween movies. So I never saw the very for to me Daniel Harris was always the the Laurie Strode and not Laurie Strode. And then I then you know kind of oh, saw yeah. Laurie. crazy way to go about it, right? But how did you, how did it start for you? You know, it started for me as a little kid in the video store the videotape rental store uh, growing up, I would see these, you know, you know, you look at the box artwork and uh, I was way too young to rent rated our movies. And uh, the Halloween movies had some cool video box artwork. And I would read the, I look at the front, I would read the back and I would go home and I would try to imagine like, what are these movies like? And I eventually figured out with the video rentals, um, I could actually like get the case for like Indiana Jones, which I could rent, and then swap the tape with <laughs> Halloween 2, which I couldn't rent. And uh, I got away with that. I watched most wow. of the franchise up until Halloween 5 like that. And oh, some wow. poor guy like rented, thought he was renting Halloween and got probably Toy Story or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's that's funny. Over here, when we had the, the video stores, we um, they only ever put the empty cases on the shelf. You would you would take the empty case and they would give you the cassette. Mm-hmm. So you you had an opportunity there that we never had. So that's, you know, uh, it was, of you we never had it. <laughs> yeah, I ruined it. It was a mom and pop video store that didn't yeah. have uh, like a. I, every time we would check out at the counter, I was nervous like a criminal waiting to be caught, and uh, <laughs> it was just like so such just like a like I said, run mom mom and pop, not that uh, hoity toity store. I guess Blockbuster might have caught me, but this place mm. didn't. <laughs> uh, what uh what was the very first one you watched was it halloween 2 i did halloween and halloween 2 and i watched them during the daytime in like broad daylight with all the windows open and Safe. i was scared shitless they were so <laughs> terrifying to me that music and the the shape i was like i, I think i took a year off before i tried to watch it halloween 3 and was then thoroughly confused as a kid <laughs> you know for for me um when i was growing up my, those same cousins i had watched a uh, nightmare on elm street with them and for some reason freddie wasn't as scary to me because i could tell that it wasn't real he was getting you in your dreams michael myers was the only villain that ever really stuck with me when i was a kid like it was just the absence of of the human being and that mask mm-hmm. and the way he just kind of carried himself. John Carpenter done something really like that. It's hard to put in even words. And that's what I, th- I think I love about Halloween is Michael Myers scared the absolute shit out of me 
when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And for years, listening to that song, I'd be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the window and expecting bed sheets to move, and there he is standing. <laughs> See, I had a really funny experience with Halloween because I seen I seen the first one first, um, as you should. Uh, but I watched it when I was like five. I remember watching it when I was five and Whoa. six years old, and it didn't bother me. But all of a sudden, at the age of seven and eight, it started scaring me. I think I just didn't understand it at that very young age. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait, this is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it's the one of the few horror characters that still comes into my nightmares. And I'll admit that until I die. It, it's he still shows up in my dreams and i'm i'm so happy about it i wake up and i'm like oh that was oh awesome. my god <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic that's how great fan fiction is born by the way you wake up and you write it down um speaking of yeah. freddie you know it's so funny freddie is a is a great horror icon but i don't think he can ever reach the level of of fear inducing power that michael has because he talks and because he talks it adds some sh- shred of humanity to him mm-hmm. that we can kind of be like, oh, it's just a guy who's an yeah. asshole. Yeah. But <laughs> the shape never talks. And so we can't, he's not even relatable, even like to try and see things from his perspective because there's just, like you said, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. I found out uh, via your book that there was lines for him and mm. it was uh, the later one. It was H2, I think. Yes, uh, which they cut, thankfully. <laughs> can you imagine Yeah. That? They tried, in, especially in, in the Lost sequels, multiple mm-hmm. screenwriters have tried to give him dialogue. Mm-hmm. Some of them have had him speak it. Some of them have had him like write sentences on walls. And I think when I think when we start getting messages from the shape, it's going to take something away from them. Just me personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even did, did Zombie go through with it? I'm sure Zombie went through with it in Halloween too. I'm sure. Yeah, he, he did. I'm sure he said die or something. It's just it's like one one or two words, but. Even that single moment, you kind of go, ah, you shouldn't have done that. The thing is, the thing is, and this is something I totally agree with, which is in your book again, right? The Rob, I think it's all in the book. The thing is, <laughs> it is all in the book. But people are always kind of, they take a, a big shit on Rob Zombie stuff. But had he tried to do exactly what John Carpenter done, it was always going to get shot on even worse. So he, he distinctly went the opposite way and didn't draw mm-hmm. any parallels. So it's really you can't really please everyone you know i mean i'm quite glad i look at Halloween, the rob zombies halloween has two halloween movies in a completely separate vein but i think you have to go into it and leave all that shit at the door and just oh, yeah. enjoy that that there it is the shape and we may get them a new i mean look at what they've done with uh jason Voorhees. we had them in space right you just right. you just have to enjoy the ride and expect that expect nothing more like you can't do carpenter again you can't go through that again it'll never be the case so if they just put michael myers him. in space i'm fucking going with him because i don't <laughs> want to be here for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, so i like him at batman michael myers mm-hmm. is a lot like a lot of great great horror characters mm-hmm. are, to me are just like batman we've, we've got mm-hmm. so many different versions you've got the silly adam west bam pow batman you've got the gritty Frank Miller Batman, you've got the mm-hmm. middle ground. There's like a preschool version of Batman for like little kids. So mm-hmm. with Michael Myers, you know, I'm okay getting new takes on the material because it doesn't, you know, it's they're not trying to like pull the old one from store shelves or, mm-hmm. or bury it. Yeah. You know, it's if it's a great idea, let's see new versions of it. But I know mm-hmm. I'm very, very alone in that thinking. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. With, uh, with you loving, and I can tell, I mean, you, you're 
your content is essentially on in, in the world of horror. Aside from Jaws, I mean, do we still class Jaws as a horror? I think so. Jaws three wasn't a horror. That was a comedy. <laughs> yeah, four. Right. four. It's a Jaws four. Jaws four. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it's horror, but you know, um, Sean Cunningham, who directed you know Friday the Thirteenth, he told me when I interviewed him for Slash the Titans, mm-hmm. he said horror movies when they get so good are no longer horror. They become mm-hmm. some other genre. They become drama or thriller or action or something else because there's such a stigma and prejudice in the film world against horror, like mm-hmm. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, mm-hmm. that's, a horror, that's a horror movie. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, Sean points out that it got so good that no one could call it that. They want to call it a uh, psychological thriller. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that applies to Jaws. Jaws is so good that the proper film world, they don't want to call it horror, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I suppose. I mean, you you are scared. I did remember like proper cacking it when I was a kid. And you know that scene where he's under the water and the head just kind of floats past the window. Absolutely crapped it. I remember laughing my face <laughs> off at Jaws four though. Oh, <laughs> Shark knows. Yeah, it's we like we did a movie. whole we did a whole episode on Jaws the Revenge, and it was it was no, no, it was it was a half an episode. The, the first half was on Highlander Two, and the second half was on Jaws the Revenge, and we had a lot of fun tearing these pieces of shit apart. Um, Can I tell you, I've actually got an outline that I've had for six, five or six years. I've wanted to write a book about Jaws the Revenge. Mm, a whole book wow. a whole book and just like yeah. i would i would call you know i i, I want to find out what happened <laughs> and um i i uh, i've reached out to, to cast and crew and the screenwriter turned me down for an interview and i offered him cash and he still turned me down i'm like let's mm. I, I, just talk to me and i've, I've shelved it i'm not going to do it because very few people want to talk about being involved with that movie i have an idea i have an idea What's what, that? What you you give us their uh, contact information, and then we invite them onto a podcast, and you tell us what you want to know. Yeah, okay. But <laughs> it, it, just one even he doesn't he doesn't the, the the screenwriter literally it's like he's blacked that part of his life out. He doesn't talk about it. Right, and it's That's like I just think it's almost become like a a cult classic in a weird way. Like it's so bad, it's fun now. Like <laughs> yeah. we know it's bad. I just—it's so fascinating how that movie got made. Like, <laughs> like why was he out at night trying to take logs out of the water? Like, <laughs> yeah, did the shark leave that as a trap? Like, the shark is like underwater, like building like a, the logs, like a beaver building a dam. Like, I'm gonna go put this over here and get, get cheap brodies on. What difference did it make to him that the logs were in the water, though? You know, it's like, did this affect his life in any way? No, let's go clear these logs and die in the process. On Christmas Eve, this has got to be done right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, that, yeah, so, that's uh, enough of a tangent, I think. <laughs> oh, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. This guy. It, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's always him. <laughs> Not it's not it's normally always me that does that, but uh, no, I've but got sense, sensible head on tonight. No, good. <laughs> um, so your relationship with horror did that begin with Halloween, or did you always kind of? Because for me, I was a uh, scary pants. Really, wouldn't look forward to watching anything horror. Cousins had it on, so I saw it. Didn't really like it, and then as I got older, I started to appreciate it. Now I love it. Uh, w- what was your relationship like with horror as kind of growing up? From the earliest age, I was you know like circa like 1990, I got into the Universal Monsters. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean like like deep. Like I was like such a fan as a little as a kindergartner. And like I, I would go to school and I'd be like talk to my friends at lunch. They'd be like, hey, you guys like Frankenstein? And they'd be like, yeah, sure, yeah, we like Frankenstein. I'd be like, who's your favorite? Karloff or or Cheney or Lugosi or Strange? And they'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> and I'd be uh... like, you don't know all the guys that play Frankenstein? So I was way more into it than my peers. My uh, my favorite Frankenstein was a uh, young Frankenstein. <laughs> also great, yes. Love young Frankenstein. It's Frankenstein. Frankenstein. <laughs> oh man. Um, so and the Universal when... Monsters are a gate. They're kind of like a gateway drug to other mm-hmm. horror. And so yeah. I went from Universal to Hammer to the Slashers. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's a good that. progression. Do you know, it's, it, it goes from relatively tame to mm-hmm. oh shit what am i doing right <laughs> i, I kind of got obscure horror like uh transylvania six five thousand you remember that movie yes that was one of those tapes that had the cover that i was like what is this yes, the big gravestone yeah. thing and the jeff goldberg mm-hmm. in the front. yeah yeah Do you know and the song was so catchy like that song oh yeah that movie was great Love it. Mate, I've got a DVD. I need to see this. I need to see this movie. I've never seen it. It's, it's proper. It's, it's in the same vein as Young Frankenstein. It's very, very quite funny and silly. Yeah. <laughs> I really it's a, it's it. a gem. <laughs> it really, and no one knows about it, by the way. Anytime I mention it, you're the first person that I've ever said to it. And you're like, yes. People <laughs> are just like, genuinely, it's like not a lot of people where, where I'm from know about it. I got it from my, my uncle. He gave me this videotape. He basically gave me that earnest goes to camp and it was some samurai movie and i, I <laughs> chucked them on and transylvania 6000 has always been embedded in me since then you know the, the 1980s has this really great run of horror comedies that mm-hmm. have really been forgotten and lost to time where like you had like genre superstars from like vincent price and peter cushing yeah. and christopher lee i mean they were participating in them they were doing them and they're they're, they're funny as hell mm-hmm. and uh, i don't know why that they, they didn't age like they should have their legacies are kind of lost and that's yeah that's a shame i mean i guess they're cheesy but i like them. <laughs> yeah i think places like arrow video and uh scream factory shout factory these guys oh, yeah. do a really good job of repackaging these because some not everything <clears throat> that we grew up on uh, made it over to dvds like right. uh and, and blu-ray especially there's there's a movie i love called meet the apple gates i don't know if you're aware of that and uh <clears throat> never seen it on dvd ever it's about it's the same guy that's in transylvania six five thousand you know the blonde guy yeah and and he he basically moves his family of cockroaches they turn into like humans and try and live a normal life but they find it hard they get mixed crazy movie but brilliant sure. movie and yet can't find it anywhere so just from a business perspective i don't understand that because that movie is probably owned by someone like yeah. either a company or someone's kids inherited it why mm. aren't you trying to make the most of this asset yeah put it up there makes no sense mm. but we'll uh i'm definitely going to email someday about it stranger things have happened right there's maybe there's maybe some jokes or content that wouldn't fly today and it would immediately get taken off the shelf anyway oh, because no. that's True. what people seem to want to do these days is just Absolutely ruin people's not. lives <laughs> no no not at all and so when you when you were growing up watching horror did you say to yourself as a child as a, a young adult i want to be a writer like my my ambition was always to become a wrestler that worked out well um <laughs> did did you always know that you wanted to be a writer or is it something you just kind of you, you like i never wanted to be a podcaster it just kind of happened for me mm-hmm. and it just so happens that i love doing it so was it the same for you or did you always aspire to be that writer no i aspired to be a filmmaker and i went to i went to college for that 
And uh, I realized how hard that was and um, how I would probably be making like really terrible movies and uh, living a life of squalor. And so I didn't do that. Uh-huh. And I had all this useless film knowledge. And eventually I was like, I should write a book about movies that I like. And I started with mm-hmm. Phantasm because I was a big fan of that. And I was friends with the cast and crew. And that was, it was kind of easy to, to, to do that. And then from that, you know, that success, I moved up to Freddy versus Jason and something mm-hmm. on Jaws. And I just tried to keep going until, cause I couldn't start with Halloween. Halloween was too big, too top shelf. I did not have mm-hmm. the confidence. And eventually like, you know, I had enough of a spine to say, okay, I'm going to write a book on Halloween. And mm-hmm. that's what got me here. That's amazing. I mean, I don't think there are many books. I don't know of any, when you think of Halloween and the book that you would read for Halloween as your books have, I, I even, when I, when I ordered your book on Audible, I also got the novelization of Halloween, you know, the 2018 version. Mm-hmm. And I actually returned to the Halloween one because I was so excited to listen to yours. Because for me, it was just novelization of something I'd already seen and kind of watched over and over again. Yeah. But for yours just had such a, it's, it's fresh. And you know, what I really like about Taking Shape is the fact that it's a fan. It's like if I went to write a book, right? You can get, you get people and companies that will put books out because it's a money grab. So let's just chuck, and at what's expected but you you guys really go the extra mile to get the interviews and and as well as it's, i like how it's approached it's like nothing's kind of shat on in your book you <laughs> you get you give it its own space to to breathe and the people that that you spoke to that were involved in it as well they give their honest opinion and you just it's, it's an unbiased book from a fan i mean how often do you get that well, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, we, we, we tried really hard to, because, you know, my co-writer and I, Travis Mullins, we have, mm-hmm. we have sequels that we like more than others and then sequels mm-hmm. that we're very critical of and we don't always line up with those opinions. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to do a book, you know, I was just telling Travis this yesterday, I can't stand when you buy a book on a movie franchise and the lesser sequels, they just like gloss over. They don't give any attention to. Yes. It's like two pages. They just want to focus on the original. And yes, the original Halloween is definitely the best, but I wanted a book that was going to explore Halloween 4 and Halloween 5 and Resurrection. I wanted to really get in there and look at the nitty gritty details of it Mm -hmm. because um, it doesn't happen as often as it it maybe should. And so that, there are, you know, I thank you for saying that um, the book didn't feel opinionated. We definitely snuck our opinions in there because it was hard not to, but we didn't want to be too heavy handed with it. And we wanted to try and, be fair like we wanted to give like Halloween Res- this resurrection because we've talked about it that's the most shat upon entry i think apart fair from three fair. yeah and, connect um, with three i that's three in my opinion is the best sequel like it just I is love so thank you great absolutely all, what <laughs> this is a conversation we have to have right now right <laughs> halloween three halloween three for me right as a chance they took. If you if you forget that the, the other Halloweens come after that, right? Go back to that time when they created Halloween three. Had that anthology series worked, no one would shout on Halloween three. They would appreciate Halloween what one and two for what they are, and they wouldn't have shout on Halloween three. We'd have had different anthologies, some like more than that. Almost like uh what's it the that uh what'd you call it again? That remember uh Landis done it, uh Twilight ex- Twilight Zone, Twilight Zone. Right. Almost right. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you remove, if you remove <clears throat> season of the witch, if you remove Halloween from that, and have that as its own movie, you can't say that was shit. 
Absolutely not. I enjoyed the story. I was engrossed in it, and I'll still watch it now. I stand up for Halloween 3. I don't think it was shit. I just right. think it, it was under the umbrella <laughs> that was never going to win because of what how big Halloween was. That's I'm going to go a step farther before Jay jumps in and shreds me. <laughs> right. So I, I think Halloween 3 is the best sequel in the Halloween uh-huh. franchise by far. But not only that, everyone talks about, oh, what's your favorite line of dialogue from Halloween? And everyone wants to quote Dr. Loomis. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was uh, you know purely and simply evil. But mm-hmm. I think Connell Cochran's speech to Tom to, to, to Dr. Chalice near the end of the movie, you don't really know much about Halloween, do you? <laughs> That's the greatest dialogue in the entire franchise. Yes. Any movie, write it down. It's <laughs> the best. Okay. Right. I made two two claims that I think Jay's gonna destroy. No, I'm actually, see, I, I need to look at it from a slightly objective point of view because I, I've only seen Halloween 3 one time and it must be 15 years ago, easily. That's your problem. So, I don't, yeah, but what I'm, what I'm going to say is that their biggest failure, if it is truly the best Halloween sequel, their biggest failure was making Halloween 2. Halloween 2 should have been Halloween 3 if that's the direction they were going to go down. If they decided after Halloween 1, okay, let's do an anthology, then it might have worked. But by the time Halloween 2 was made, they were like, okay, Halloween is Michael Myers. If they hadn't done Halloween 2, I think they could have had more success with an anthology series that, that, that was different every time. But I think making that second one, they were like, okay, it's Michael Myers now. You're right. You're point. 100% right. Mm-hmm. However, however, what does that have to do with how good the story is on Halloween 3? Because we're saying that it's a good movie. You're just saying that it was unfortunate that Halloween 2 existed. What was shite about the movie? Tell us. Um, I can't remember. It's, it's been 15 years since I've seen it. Now, all I remember is that I didn't know that it was different. So when I turned it on, I spent the whole movie waiting for Michael Myers. And all I got was fucking robots, robots and melting children. And he I was like, what is going TV. on here? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, Halloween 3 think... is a movie that requires... It, 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 it seems like everyone's experience is the initial shock if you didn't know it wasn't going to be about Michael Myers and you're going to you're going to it's going to color your perception of it the first time but if you'll revisit it a year 10 15 years later it really ages well in my opinion and it, it, that's almost part of everyone's experience with it is that you initially you're going to go what the hell <laughs> i mean most even the people that embrace it now like me when i was a kid and i saw it for the first time I did not like Halloween 3. I mean, I didn't hate it, but it's just like, what is going on? So that's that's almost part of it, right? You have to ex- mm. process, you have to do your final processing and uh, accept, you got that joke, and uh, mm. accept, um, accept it for what it is, and then you can, then you can judge it on its own merits. Yeah. Mm. I mean, just, I mean, my, my Halloween DVD collection goes Halloween, Halloween 2, 4, 5, Curse. I don't even have three. Blasphemy! <laughs> so I, think, I think I need to. I need to give it a chance. In fact, once we're finished here, I, I'll make you. I'll make a deal right now. Once I'm finished here, I'll go and watch Halloween three. I'll find it on Prime or something, and I'll. Uh, I'll make sure I get it watched. <laughs> Your Halloween collection should look like that. I hope you drop them. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. And in its third grandiest place, Halloween three: Season of the Witch. Beautiful. Uh, I absolutely. I love it. I just think. If that was something, if that was just called Season of the Witch and had no relation to Halloween, it would be something that people would celebrate a lot more. Just so happens. And, and by the way, did that read somewhere that there's going to be, or is it it's a fan-made, it's a fan-made movie mm-hmm. where they're actually sequeling Halloween 3? 
Yeah, I, I think I saw that on, on my newsfeed. I haven't read about yeah. it, but I'm down to watch it. Like, I want to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that'd be that'd be incredible. Um, I, like I say, I didn't hate Halloween three. When it gets to <clears throat> resurrection, that's about one thing I'll say about Halloween three. By the way, is uh, the the main character kind of just meets this lassie. They go to a motel and then they bang. It's like that was quick. Like. <laughs> Who, who yeah. does he think he is? Samurai Cop. Right. <laughs> you just keep it warm. <laughs> oh, it's warm and ready. <laughs> oh God! But that—that's not how life happens for you. That's not how your daily daily not grind anymore. goes. No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> you know, right. I love Halloween Three is that Dan Dan Chalice if I can call him Dr. Chalice, is like the most unlikely hero they could have picked because he's not really that great of a guy. Like he's he's just kind of a sleazeball, right? I mean, yeah. he's not there for his kids. He's like, uh, he should be helping the grieving daughter of this man he just watched get murdered. And instead he's trying to bang her at a motel. I mean, his, <laughs> his priorities are a little weird. Yeah. Like he's just, he's kind of an, not an anti-hero, but not your typical Hollywood, you know. Yeah, totally get that. Alana Franchitti says, can't wait to see the new Halloween mover next month. <laughs> a mover. <laughs> the movie. <laughs> yes. Me too. Yeah. Halloween Kills is going to be something. We will we will get into that. Um, so your very first book, uh, for, for someone like myself, I can imagine that like, if I said to J-Mac, let's, let's make a book, let's create a book, the work goes into it, and then, then comes the publishing. How hard was that for you? from getting together all the information that you wanted to for Phantasm, your first book, to then getting it in your hand as a page? Was was that a grueling process? Um, a, a little bit. You know, I wrote about Phantasm, the four movies that existed at the time, and then I was like, okay, so now I need to get this material to a publisher. And I had a couple offers that I thought were, you know, okay, these are, these are legitimate uh, mm -hmm. offers here. But then I realized by signing away my my work, I was going to lose all control over changes they would make, page layout, marketing, cover, design, all of these things. And I'm a control freak, for better or worse. And so I wound up publishing it myself. I created my own publishing imprint called Harker wow. Press. Yes. And I learned all of those things I just talked about, page design, layout, uh, marketing, things like that. And um, that's served me really well. Uh, mm -hmm. over the years. I mean, that's one of the better go with your gut choices I've ever made. Oh, and wow. so that's, I learned a little bit more on each book and how to do it a little bit better. And um, I've got a, a great team I work with, uh, editor and cover artist. And with this last book, I had a co-writer uh, with Travis Mullins. And it's just, a, wow. I hope each book is getting better along the way. Mm -hmm. That's that's amazing. Was, was that a, a scary thought? Like thinking, right, I've got to start my own publishing company now. <laughs> A little bit because there's there's an investment you have to make, not only of, of money and resources, but of time to learn. Because I would have to learn things that uh, had a steep learning curve on them. And um, mm -hmm. but the great thing is with the internet today, you can you can almost teach yourself anything with tutorials and websites and, and books and YouTube. You can really learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think we we do live in an age where if if you want to learn how to do something. It's, it's really not that difficult anymore. I think the, the need for universities and stuff is going to be gone soon. <laughs> well, look at what every, we're doing everything's right going to be online. It's going to be online. We essentially have our own We Talk show right here online from our own homes. Think about that. 
yeah quite quite a if you would have thought back maybe 20 years ago like this is essentially oh, yeah. radio on demand right mm-hmm. except so for so for people that have read your book this and is, love it, this is Wayne's world, right? Yeah. <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> so for people that love your book, they can come and find this podcast here and listen to you talking about the book. You know, I think that that there is just it's, it's so valuable now. And it's, it's so easy to do. Realistically, I mean, you have to learn. I mean, we we're like two years in on this, two nearly three, something like that. I think we are three now. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you know every. Uh, we gradually got better as as time went on. You you learn, and I think the best way to do it is just to get right into the thick of it and just keep pushing forward. And that's clearly what you've done with with mm-hmm. the, with the books. Um, so the um the the first book that you made was that received really well. The Phantasm Exhausted. Uh, yeah, Phantasm Exhausted. <laughs> oh my God, that's going to be the title. Are you of the next one? Special edition. I love it. Phantasm <laughs> Exhumed. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I will say for my for my first book, it was a huge success. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it it made enough uh, it made it sold enough copies right away to be able to fund trips where I was able to go with a cast and crew and do book signings in Chicago and New York and Atlanta uh, around the United States and um, had a great time with that. And um, it was it was very empowering to see the reception it got because it was a, it was a book that should have been written. Like, like most major franchises deserve at least one, if not several mm-hmm. books. They don't necessarily yeah. get that. And so the fans are hungry for it. They want it. And I felt like the book satisfied, you know, it had over 200 rare photos from the movies, mm-hmm. most of which were never before seen. It had over 60 interviews, some with people that have never talked about Phantasm before. And that's, I, I realized that's what horror fans want. You know, yes. they, they know the trivia. They've watched all the documentaries and read the trivia pages and the Fangoria's. And so the, the challenge then with any franchise, but in particular Halloween, is to somehow dig up information they don't know. And that's what mm-hmm. Travis and I set out to do with both Taking Shape 1 and Taking Shape 2. We weren't sure if we were going to be able to, to do it. But uh, having finished those two books, I can say we, I'm proud to say we definitely found new stuff that no one knows absolutely no one knows some of the materials that's in these books mm-hmm. yeah that's for sure yeah the, the i mean i would when, when i finished the book um my first thought when i was looking back on it was that it's it's it is an encyclopedia of halloween it's, it's not like i said it, you do sneak in your opinions every now and again but because it's so it's so objectively written it's not it's not really it's not really a subjective piece it's all just information and obviously the the interviews that you guys did uh with uh, cast and crew and i mean what what was that like i mean the the experience of sitting down with the people involved in making these movies and i mean did you do it uh over the telephone or were you in person when you were doing interviews or was it kind of mix and match yeah they were they were almost all done over the phone and uh, the, the two books contain over 40 interviews we did with the filmmakers, pretty much writers and directors, um, yeah. and some, some some producers involved. We really wanted to get the perspective of the uh, story development process. Because, you know, like, that's what's, you know, with Halloween, this, is, this was 11 movies, and people will read the whole book and not realize this, but the scope of Taking Shape 1, this is the book about the movies they made. So like mm-hmm. Halloween 1, 1978 through Halloween 2018. 11 movies. This is not the complete making of. 
This is mm -hmm. just about the development of the story. So we're talking about the screenplay, alternate endings, deleted scenes, unused ideas, discarded concepts. It's about that. This is not a book about what happened on the movie set. Mm -hmm. This is not about the special effects or the masks or the actors' experiences because we realized, you know, in formulating this book, that was going to be 2,000 pages if you did it right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you heard the, the audiobook for this is 13 hours, and that's mm -hmm. just talking about the story. It's not talking <laughs> about the special effects or the musical score or that kind of stuff. It's a very mm -hmm. limited scope, and it's still a pretty thick book. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 scope of the information in it is just, I mean, I I couldn't wrap my head around it. When I was, it was it was like when I was listening, I was like, are we still are we still talking about Halloween three? <laughs> it's just the, the the amount of time given to each one is is really like like you said a, a lot of other ones i can't remember if you said it on air or when we were talking before but they get they get glanced over or glossed over when you're talking about the lesser known sequels mm -hmm. um you definitely didn't do that <laughs> you and Travis def definitely did not do that um, another another uh one that we can mention is slash of the titans you can see it up there in the corner um I actually I've got that as well on audiobook. Uh, uh, it was very very useful before we actually spoke to Doug Curtis, and to see the journey of that. I mean, you, you pretty much same kind of formula as well. The the plans that and and I remember listening to that going, oh my god, they weren't going to do that, were they? Right? <laughs> it is it's just full of absolute knowledge, and to kind of see what it could have been. Right, all that does is make us appreciate more what we got because there were some right. Like I do like the idea that they had um Pinhead coming in mm -hmm. at, towards the end. That would have been cool as hell. Oh, yeah. But um but, I mean it could have gone so many different ways. But when we spoke to Doug as well, he'd kind of said that him and the team that were putting it together had never seen Nightmare on Elm Street, had never seen Friday the thirteenth. So to me that kind of blew my mind. I was like, What? Mine too. <laughs> like, Mine too. Like <laughs> that's that's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> you know? And I think it's because us as the fans, we we fall in love with you know, uh, and guys like Doug Curtis, amazing, and he also falls in love with the project. He does to him; it's not just a job; it is something that he absolutely falls in love with. Um, and it was cool for him to kind of get to grips with that. But I always kind of wondered, like, that's that's kind of mad that that you can get a director, or a producer, and stuff that that don't know the source material of something with that magnitude. You know, and um, for you. What was the kind of shocking things you found out when interviewing someone? Like a moment where you were kind of just like, "What?" Did, was there any special ones for you? Yeah, so I won't. Um, you know, I it's been four or five years since I wrote Slash the Titans, but I was I was really nervous in, in interviewing the screenwriters that wrote the versions that weren't made mm -hmm. because I was like, "Are they going to want to talk about it? Is this a sore subject? Are they going to be like, you know, kind of bitter?" But no, they were all pretty excited to talk about it because they they poured their time and passion into these screenplays that were ultimately just thrown away mm -hmm. and yeah some of them they had different approaches some of them wanted to really steep their version of freddy versus jason in continuity like have characters from the nightmares the fridays come back and be in this new one and have lots of callbacks and other screenwriters said no i don't want to be influenced by what's been done because it's already been done and they had a very hard uh, line between what they were doing and the past mm -hmm. and you know, I think what, 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 what I was slow to realize, and on Halloween as well, and is that when you have filmmakers that don't research the source material, we have to remember that, yes, they're, 
they're creative minds and types and they're very passionate about the one they're doing. But for them, this is a job, this is work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And think about your own job and your own work. Mm -hmm. And you know, not that they don't care and not that they don't want it to be good, but at the end of the day, this is their profession. This is what they're getting yeah. paid to do. They don't have our passion. And so when you, when you frame it like that, it's a little bit, maybe not disheartening, but it's, it's a little disillusioning to, to realize, but that's, that's where they come to yeah with it I totally get that I mean I think that's why sometimes some of the best movies that are ever made are made from people that are huge fans especially if it's a remake you can tell Rob Zombie was a fan of the Halloween franchise uh, and I know that he and John Carpenter weren't really they didn't really see eye to eye but I think John Carpenter kind of came out and said oh fuck that guy <laughs> he took away the mystique <laughs> right it's like yeah. Well, of course, of course, he took away the mystique, but it was he would have said this if he didn't. If he tried to do what Carpenter did, he said, "Fuck that guy." He just tried to do what I done, but but and much shitter, you know. So there was always going to be. I think the reason, I think what really flew up John Carpenter's nose was the fact that he had said something about John Carpenter being a bit prickish, and that got John Carpenter's back up, and it created a bit of a, a rivalry. But I, I don't think that the rivalry. I don't think that that as rivals anymore did, did you enjoy the the rob zombie the rob zombie i did you know i, I like the first one i liked okay I, my problem with the first one is what rob zombie knows is the problem with his first one which is it's it's a half of a remake and half of a reimagining like a prequel you know it's two movies in one and as a result it you know the, the stuff that's original at smith's grove is stronger than the stuff at the end where he's just kind of like mimicking carpenter's movie like, I think mm -hmm. his Halloween 2 is a dark masterpiece. I mm -hmm. love it because it's oh. so off the rails that mm -hmm. I can't compare it. To, it. It doesn't even feel like Halloween anymore. It feels like Rob Zombie's Halloween. Yeah. And that's yeah. when I like his stuff is when he's not trying to be beholden to anything we've seen before. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I loved his, his Halloween uh, 2 and even the director's cut more. What's yeah. so funny about people that Halloween fans, you know, I can't tell what the divide is. Is it 50-50, love and hate Rob Zombie's work? But if those people that hate his movies, like really hate his movies, were to go just like get a beer with him and mm -hmm. talk about horror movies, they love the same movies that he loves. They would probably yeah. have a lot to talk about. Their tastes mm. are very similar. Mm -hmm. They just hate his, they hate his movies. Only, yeah. only Rob Zombie would be brave enough to make Michael Myers look like this. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I, I, uh, I watched the documentary. Into a little blonde, effeminate child who's like pouty mm -hmm. in his kiss costume. Like what? Like <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, and then in the second, in, in Halloween two, he's a hobo. <laughs> right. See the, the there's a documentary, a really good documentary. It's quite a long one uh, of the making. Yeah, four, of hours, the first, four hours. Four right? hours long, isn't it? Get this though. The funniest, the part that really cracked me up, right, was they were filming on the same street, and uh, Rob Zombie's like this. Yeah, we're on the same street. I was thinking about getting a shot of the actual house he used in the first one, but I don't want to be like that guy playing on, you know, the originals. Daniel Harris walks past. Him. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> like what the hell, man? Which, which wasn't a bad thing. I loved to see Daniel Harris, and I do think it would have been cool to. Can you imagine? I don't know. Give me your opinion on this, Dustin. Right. So. The new one has elements like I, I'm so for the new Halloween movies, right? So far, the first one, and I like the fact that they're paying homage to Halloween three, especially in the new trailer. Mm -hmm. And 
I thought it would have been cool if Danielle Harris played Laurie Strode's daughter. What would you have thought about that? I, I think it would have been terrific. I'm a sucker for those, those callbacks and those references mm-hmm. and bringing back the old actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know Danielle Harris would probably love it. She would. And so I would have loved to have seen it. What's mm-hmm. so funny about Danielle Harris being in Rob Zombie's movies is Rob insists in at least one interview I saw that her being in the earlier Halloween movies had nothing to do with why she, he cast her. And she said the same thing that, you know, it's, it's, that's not, uh, it didn't influence bullshit. <laughs> no way. Of course it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. Of yeah. It's yeah, like, she, it's like the, the illusion that they cast her and then went, Oh wait, were you the little girl in the first, the, the no fourth way. one? So I don't think it, that happened. <laughs> it's like Jaws the Revenge, where Ellen Brody was married to Sid Scheinberg, who was the president of Universal. Oh, you <laughs> just happened to be the star of the new Jaws movie, and your husband is the president of the studio. And she's like, had nothing to do with it. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah I've, oh, got three, I've got three words. Three words about that. Sherry Moon Zombie. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, that's just like Michael Myers' mom coming back as an apparition, right? Right. <laughs> did, you, did you enjoy the, the Sherry Moon reprisal and, and the new one? I kind of did. You know, it's the, the idea of a ghostly Miss Myers is so crazy off the wall that, like, I can't even... My toddler is trying to get in the room like Night of the Living Dead right now. It's so creepy. That's, that's coming cool. to get you, Barbara. Give me just a minute. Yeah, no problem. Not at all. No worries. Uh, I don't know if it's just me that's getting this sound issue. Are you getting it as well? A little bit, but I don't think it can be helped really at this point. Um, I wonder. I don't know. This this might be a, a bit of dead air, but um, I, don't know. I don't know if it could be worth maybe just getting them to kind of come out and sign back in again just to try and clear that up because he's saying some really cool stuff just now and it's a shame if it's all blah 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 apologies to the to thy at home listening or watching live if you're getting a bit of bubbly sound from dustin it may just be a connection issue but on to more present things heather dow says hey guys sorry i'm late not good enough (laughs) sorry at least you're here at least you're here yes at least you showed up (laughs) Um, you showed up you showed up uh, I really really enjoying talking to Dustin so far this has been really really amazing and Dustin is back here we go uh, Heather Dow says thanks so much for my book Dustin love it Heather Dow was one of those that won the taking shape oh I think she good got back I'm, the, uh, I'm glad, glad you're enjoying it she actually said to me uh, that it was like just like in that wee trailer it's like a phone book it's like a catalog, which is which is great because yeah. it's so thick. But that's good, right? She might, did she get Taking Shape Two? I wonder because Taking yes. Shape Two is the one that is six hundred pages, <laughs> and uh, the the audio book for one was like thirteen hours, right? And that's long. Mm. The audio book for Halloween for Taking Shape Two, excuse me, Taking Shape One is thirteen hours. Taking Shape Two is twenty one hours long. <laughs> and Kevin, you got you got through that one as well. No, that's the that's the next one. I've just finished Taking Shape. Uh, the next one for ah. me is Taking Shape Two, which is Dude, uh, Taking Shape Two is going to blow your mind. Like, <laughs> I'm so proud to say there there are movies, lost sequels in Taking Shape Two that no one has ever heard of. Like mm. some crazy shit. Like crazy. <laughs> I can't. I can't actually wait. I'm actually got a clip here to show the audience at home Taking Shape Part Two. This is Malcolm McDowell, otherwise known as Dr. Loomis. 
those eyes are evil eyes. Yeah, just a little Dr. Loomis there for you. Anyway, I just want you to check out the trailer of Taking Shape 2, which begs the question, what was Taking Shape 1 like? Check it out. All the best, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Now available from Hargur Press. Taking Shape 2, the Lost Halloween Sequels. Authors Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins are back to bring you a deep dive into the 24 Halloween movies you never saw on the big screen. Taking Shape 2 contains new interviews with over 20 filmmakers about their proposed visions for the series. Learn which sequels died in development hell and which ones made it all the way to casting before being shut down. Prequels, sequels, reboots, crossovers, they're all in here. Taking Shape 2, The Lost Halloween Sequels, now available on Amazon. Also available from Harker Press, Adventures in Amity, Tales from the Jaws Ride, Slash of the Titans, The Road to Freddy vs. Jason, and Phantasm Exhumed. I can't even wait to start part two, man. Oh, what? Did you see all those, those uh, titles there coming up? Halloween uh, Asylum? Y yeah. Uh, that was the one that stood out to me was Halloween Asylum. That's uh, that sounds interesting. Uh, also, Phantas Phantasma's exhausted is just still making me jump. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Halloween Asylum. There's um, there's three each each last sequel, and there's twenty four of them. Gets its mm -hmm. own chapter in the book, and there's wow. three different chapters on Halloween Asylum because we cover three different versions of that idea with different sets of writers. You'll see in the book, there's lots of concepts that they kept trying to make work and they just never really got it to the final uh, draft. And Halloween Asylum is one of them where it's like, oh, is it a prequel where Michael is uh, at Smith's Grove or is it a sequel where he goes back to Smith's Grove or is it, do we put the shape in jail? Like, what do we do? They were really kind of uh, exploring where to go with the series. Yeah, Michael, Michael went to jail before. Remember when he kind of broke out with a guy from the he has the tattoo on his arm oh it always did kind of mind boggle me why they put him in a jail cell with his mask still on <laughs> yeah right, right. <laughs> so i like i like the the idea of him like handing in his mobile phone in his wallet but not his <laughs> mask his shoes off by keeping his mask on <laughs> it's a it's one of those things isn't it um I, I'm really looking forward to starting Taking Shape Part 2. I, I'm, I'm an always-on-the-go kind of guy, so I do really, I do like to listen to that when, I, when I'm on the go. Can you hear us all right, Dustin, still, yeah? Can you hear I think us? He's, I don't, he's, lost, he's lost us somehow. I don't think he can hear us. Um, so I'm just going to play another clip here from Taking Shape. Elder. Hi everyone, this is Tony Moran. 
the true face of Michael Myers in the original Halloween. Hey, check out the trailer for the new book, Taking Shape, starting now. And also, happy Halloween, everybody. Now available from Harker Press. Taking Shape, developing Halloween from script to scream. Join authors Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins as they trace Halloween's development history from first stab to final cut. Covering all 11 films from the first 40 years in exhaustive detail. Learn about rejected scripts, unused ideas, deleted scenes, and alternative versions. At over 400 pages, this is a book about what you did and didn't see on the big screen. Taking Shape also features new interviews with Halloween's writers and directors. If you think you know everything there is to know about Halloween, think again. Taking Shape, developing Halloween from script to scream. Available on Amazon. Also available from Harker Press, Adventures in Amity, Tales from the Jaws Ride, Slash of the Titans, The Road to Freddy vs. Jason, and Phantasm Exhumed. There you go, people. A masterclass in disguising audio technical issues. <laughs> but make sure make sure to head to that website and buy this book. Uh, that's one of the things I can say. If you're a huge Halloween fan and you're watching this and you haven't yet, or even use your, you can get a free Audible credit if you sign up to Audible on Amazon. Oh, yeah. Direct. Um, so right. go ahead and redeem that for either taking any of those fine titles that you see in there but i would definitely <laughs> recommend taking shape or you can go to harkerpress.com and buy them physically you can also get them on amazon if i'm correct well i just said they're amazon <laughs> so <laughs> so absolutely can um so yeah we're we're we're, we're kind of chatting here about halloween uh and how you know how we've loved halloween growing up what the kind of stuff that we enjoy as both we like halloween 3 j mac likes halloween 3 but just doesn't realize it yet because he's not watched it in 15 years <laughs> and is going to watch it am i right j mac yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be able to rent it on prime for 349 no doubt so that, i'll go i'll do that as soon as we're finished here um right. and uh, can i just ask a quick question i know we're kind of getting towards the end here but um what was your opinion dustin on the 2018 halloween like just balls to the wall honest opinion what were your thoughts on it honest opinion i'm a real pushover when it comes to halloween like <laughs> i'm i'm just like a dumb fan like oh there's a new halloween i like that like it's <laughs> very easy to please me yeah. and so uh i really enjoyed it because i thought it just it was it was like the force awakens with star wars it was yeah. just like nostalgia mm. uh crack right and it was not complicated or over ambitious it was simple and it was just let's just have fun with it now halloween kills can't do that same trick twice but they pulled that card with halloween 2018 i was okay with it i know a lot of fans were disappointed but i'm now now they need to take it somewhere and go somewhere new that's yeah. my two cents what do you guys think 
Well, my honest opinion, I went to see it not with Kevin, I went to see it with another friend of mine. And I remember uh, it was during the, the final kind of chase sequence and it was the, the part where they're in Laurie's house and there's all the mannequins. Remember that bit? And uh, I turned to my, I started laughing. And my friend said, why are you laughing? I said, because my fucking palms are sweating. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I found it so tense and so well put together. The bit where he takes his mask out of the, the trunk of the car and puts it on, it was just, it was such an epic oh, moment right. as well. Yeah. So well I can hear. I can hear him breathing. <laughs> it was just, the, the way it was shot, kind of, kind of through the window and under the, uh, the, I suppose it's a spoiler at the back of the car. It was just such a cool shot. And yeah, I loved a lot about the film. And my favorite line in the film has to be, ah, oh, man, I got peanut butter around my penis. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, see, for me, when I saw that it was two podcasters going to speak to Michael Myers, I was like, I can relate to this. <laughs> so relate to this. I think then- those characters were underutilized, though. I think they killed them off too quickly. I think mm. they, they could they could have carried further forward into the film. You know, that one was of my probably... With it was the fact that Laurie Strode had kind of become like an alky, right? <laughs> she, not, she was, she was quite, and here's another thing, right? So we're forgetting that there are siblings, right? So he's been locked up. Now, watching the first one, right? So if you if we're removing all the ones between 78 to 2018, if we're removing all those between, right? Why would she spend all those years going, he's going to come for me? No, that was, that was in 78. Like he's been locked up all this time. You should be able to kind of chill it <laughs> in that I amount of time. You know, without... I, I think that's just part of her mental, the, one of the many mental disorders that she got out of that situation with, in Possibly. addition to the PTSD, is the paranoia mm-hmm. and the hyper preparedness that she's kind of in, gone through with her and her daughter. Mm-hmm. I, I love the idea that Michael Myers doesn't give two shits about Laurie Strode. I just yes. think, I think that's like he's he's gone back to the. A uh, quintessential boogeyman that doesn't have any of those human connections or ties. Mm-hmm. But the part that everyone hated that I actually enjoyed was Dr. Sartain. He was like, mental, and, man. I loved it. <laughs> an evil version of Dr. Loomis is something we already had once with Dr. Mm-hmm. Wynn in Halloween 6, and I loved it there. I, thought, I think mm-hmm. an evil counterpart to Dr. Loomis is brilliant. And in a, in a weird way, Dr. Sartain is like, the ultimate Halloween fanboy because he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get Michael Myers and I'm going to like point him in the direction of Laurie Strode for a uh-huh. rematch. Like he's yeah. insane, but he's also a huge fan of what he's doing. He's so into it. And mm. I think the moment that maybe if it wasn't in the movie, people would like him better is when he put on the mask. Everyone was like, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck this character. I'm not yeah. watching. But I, I like Dr. Sartain, and I was sorry to see him die. I thought he was would have made a pretty good villain to Do continue know, with. The one thing I love about that, the, the scene where he gets killed, is um, I, I can't remember where I'd heard it from, but the, <laughs> the, the script for that scene, it literally said, uh, Michael stomps on his head and his brains shit out everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> was that a Danny McBride uh, script, that? Uh, that, that has, is, that's what happened. Yeah, absolutely. his brains shit out everywhere. Like, <laughs> that's very descriptive. <laughs> um, my favorite kill happens to be the one you know where he goes in behind the woman and she's kind of shitting mm. her blind, and he smacks her head. And before you know it, a knife just goes through. I was like, "Yeah, fucker!" Like this, <laughs> this, this had such a tone to it, right? That that was missing and stuff like resurrection and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It went back to no nonsense shite. He's not just before that kill. Around. 
just before that woman that you talked about, the scene where he's walking through the neighborhood street and the music's going and the trick-or-treaters are running past him, if that's not top-of-the-line Halloween magic, then we don't enjoy the franchise for the same reasons because that, yeah. to me, was just like yes. gold for what Halloween is. It's yes. the evil that can blend in on this one night of the year yeah. and no one has any idea that he's walking house to house just slaughtering people. That's yeah. terrifying to me because they're just running right past him. And <laughs> <laughs> here's a question for you actually, just as I'm looking at that mask in the background, which Halloween mask was your favorite from which movie? One. <laughs> <laughs> Correct Aside answer. One. Yeah. <laughs> I like them. I like them all. Um, but I'm partial, and this is where I, you know, my opinions most people think are just horrible, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Halloween H2O, the movie. It's my favorite Michael Myers sequel. And I know that that movie has like a mask problem, but the, <laughs> the Stan Winston mask, which is what this is, uh -huh. uh, is, is my favorite sequel mask, I think. Not the Can yeah. Be, which was real weird. Or the and CGI not... one, or the CGI one. <laughs> But I, I would buy that mask. Like, Trick or Treat Studios, yeah. where's my CGI garbage <laughs> mask from that movie? I'll give you my money. Like, take it. Actually, when you watch it, it looks like somebody has stuck a mask to your television, like, just rubbed it in. It's like, like, <laughs> so bad. Every every mask, I think, like, I, 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 Halloween 6, what a cool mask to me. Halloween 4, what a different cool mask. Halloween Resurrections mask looked angry to me, and I liked that. It did. Yeah. The, the sequence where he's walking towards the the people mm -hmm. um, at the start, it, it looks like crazy. Like <laughs> it, it kind right. of takes you by surprise. Yeah, it's something yeah. where the eyebrows and the eye holes are different. The one mask that I'm not completely on board with is Halloween Five, <laughs> like the huge neck flap. Yeah, it's <laughs> almost like a Chinese version of Michael Myers, which you not see. I always thought it had like a. Do you Chinese know, to, to me, to me, that mask looks like the actor that was under it. I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but when I see the, the I yeah. can't remember the guy's name, but big, big guy. I'm sure he had a ponytail. Maybe I can't remember, but um, the, the mask actually physically looks a little bit like the guy that was wearing it. I wish I could remember his name. and You could maybe disagree with me, but mm. um, I remember Don, it was Don Shanks. Yeah, in fact, let me let me Google his name right now. I'll tell you. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Don Shanks. He's telling Don you. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to, I want to see him for myself right for myself right <laughs> oh, now. Uh... Um, so Don Don Shanks and uh, yeah, yes, yes. To me, it actually looks like him, but older. Like when, <laughs> when I see the, I seen the older version of him get interviewed, and to me that mask looks like him. I, I you know, know what bothers me more than the mask though in Halloween Five is when he's unmasked at the end so that he can cry. Uh, yeah. His mask and his hands are un are, are not burned. They're like yeah. clear skin, and, and and that's not how they wrote it. The screenplay talks about he's got horribly burned hands, and in Halloween Four, his hands are all burned. What skincare regimen was he using? In that mm -hmm. hermit shack to get crystal clear, non third degree burn skin for Halloween Five. That bugs the crap uh, out of me. Halloween Five, sponsored by Oil of Oli. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, um, we always, a lot of people forget that we actually see Michael Myers in the original version, Tony Moran, um, mm -hmm. who is, I mean, I know that Tony had some tough time with the fans because he'd kind of gone on to slag off the franchise, but I know now 
he he's uh, seen the error of his ways and appreciate the, the franchise. So that's good for the fans to be able to, because even though he was on it for like seconds, people still see Tony Moran as a Michael Myers character. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's not Nick Castle, who also made Dennis one of my other favorite movies. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, I feel like we're, we're throwing too much at you. But I know we're coming to a close. I want one. I don't know if you've thought about this yourself. It's a question that I've come up with in the last three minutes. If you could choose somebody to write a new Halloween film, who would it be? Aside from yourself. Oh, that was going to be my answer. Oh, <laughs> although I would love to, see, I'd love to hear that. Um, but aside from yourself. Oh, it's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, my answer to that is, uh, you know, I could I can name any number of filmmakers, but I would love to see some filmmakers that have already come to the franchise come back, right, mm. and and continue it. You know, it didn't work out quite so well with Rick Rosenthal. Yeah, on I've got a soft how, spot for Halloween Six. I do have a, a real soft spot for. Uh, oh, uh, Daniel Farren, Daniel Ferens, who did Halloween Six, for example, he wrote Halloween Six and then had his script completely shat upon by everyone. <laughs> I'd love to see him come back and have full creative control because that man is a is a great writer, yeah. knows the franchise intimately. I'd love to see him uh, be able to write and direct a, a Halloween uninhibited by um, studio executives. I'd love to see Steph Hutchinson, who wrote the Halloween comics, if you've seen those, mm-hmm. and he's also in Taking Shape 2. He wrote several unproduced screenplays. I'd love to see him take a shot at it, but unencumbered, un you know, don't have the studio and producers, you mm. know, go in with scissors and chop it up. Uh, I'd love to see, you know, just I'd love to see the filmmakers return because it's a, it's not a strength of Halloween, in my opinion, that mm-hmm. every single movie up until now has had to have different writers, directors, and producers. I don't think yeah. that's been a strength. No, not mm. at all. Um, How about I think, you guys? Uh, well, I'll let you say, J-Mac, because I have something to say. In fact, before, you, before I say it to you, J-Mac, uh, I think from reading Taking Shape, one thing that's very clear is that the Weinsteins fucked with Halloween a lot. Mustafa Akkad mm-hmm. and his son, uh, they had, like they, you, it says in your book, they're the most easiest, the most supportive. But I think it is, it's when the studios get involved and, and start following trends. For example, Rob Zombie said that he really disliked uh he really disliked doing Halloween and working for the Weinsteins because of the trouble that it had. And you can see in that documentary, that four-hour documentary, he's on the phone constantly and he's coming in and he's kind of raging, right? So he'd done that. It was a success to the point they were like, please come back and do the second. He was like, I'll only come back because now you've seen what I can do. Maybe this time the shackles will be off. And then, then during filming with the second one, they bring him into an office, play the his first one and say we need it more like that he's like i know i fucking wrote that that's mine (laughs) it does seem to be that that's the real curse of michael myers as the studios yeah you know what's so weird about if if you haven't read taking shape 2 then you you haven't gotten here yet but Mm -hmm. while they were filming halloween 2 rob zombies halloween 2 in georgia Mm -hmm. the weinsteins were interviewing filmmakers to make halloween 3 in place of Rob Zombie. His movie hadn't finished filming and they were trying to set up people to make a sequel to it because they didn't want him back. <sighs> Which is a bit of a kick in the balls, if I say so. Do, do you know why? Uh, I bet you I, I bet you, 100% the reason for that is because Rob, Zon, Rob Zombie stood up to them to a certain degree and they didn't like that. They don't, the, the Weinsteins don't like it when people say no. Um, <laughs> You had to. No, I, I didn't even mean it like that. I just, I, I just mean that the Weinstein's. Uh-huh. Oh, fuck those guys! I think they're they're done. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Mustafa um, 
Kevin, Cap. you mentioned Mustafa Akkad and, and, mm -hmm. and Malik, his son. And to my knowledge, they've never tried to write their own Halloween screenplay. I just don't mm -hmm. know that that's among their ambitions that I'm aware of. But yeah. if anyone's going to be like a guiding voice for the series to have a gut to respond to creative decisions, I think it should have been those two guys. Malik yeah. now is in control of the mm -hmm. franchise. Like let Malik, you know, from everyone I've talked to that's worked with him on these movies, the writers and directors, that guy may not be coming up with the ideas, but he knows mm -hmm. having lived with the franchise his entire life, yes. what's a good fit and what's not. And instead yeah. of him getting to make all those important calls on the content, it was the Weinsteins who don't know shit about <laughs> Halloween. Like yeah. they shouldn't be in charge of any creative decisions about Halloween because that's not their bag. Mm -hmm. And as you've, as you've read, they had an opinion about just about everything. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Well, my, the, the, the guys I would like to have a stab at it are Lee Wanell and James Wan. I'd like I to see them take a stab at it. I thought you would say James Wan. James Wan would be all right. He'd be all right. I would go see that. Yeah. Yeah. I could That's, see it being very gory. I I don't know. Remember, you know, the first Saw movie wasn't even that gory. You just think it is. <laughs> um, I watched You're it right. like yesterday. Yeah. Just like the first Halloween film. I mean, if you if you saw Halloween as a kid and then hadn't seen it again until you were 25, you would think it was gory. It's not. Mm -hmm. There's there's no blood in it. No blood. It's mm -hmm. I don't know. There's uh, I th I think I could be onto something here, James. If you're watching this. <laughs> uh, absolutely um, so before we close Dustin what is next for your next book do you have something in the works is there something you can tease us with is it Halloween related um, I, I have a, a couple different books in the works that are horror mm -hmm. movie related but here's where I'm kind of an asshole and I'm sorry mm -hmm. I have a long tradition of not talking about what I'm working on I don't like to talk about it until it is like the day it is announced. And on the mm -hmm. day is it announced, I want it to be available because mm -hmm. I think talk is cheap. And this day and age, a lot of fan creators will make like teasers for their teasers before any mm -hmm. work is done. I like to work in silent and then once it's ready, that's when I'll talk about it. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sorry. I am working on stuff, uh, but I'm, mom's the word. Is it maybe one of your favorite movies ever? It always is. <laughs> Give me a list of five of your favorite movies. <laughs> no, don't do this. Kevin will do this and he will trip you up. He will persuade you. This guy, if you look closely at his eyes, they've got little spirals in them. <laughs> you know, um, I, I will say that Travis Mullins and I, my co-writer mm -hmm. on Taking Shape 1 and 2, mm -hmm. you know, we had like two and a half years of really intense writing and research. We, mm -hmm. we read, I think, two or 3,000 pages of screenplay. Like we were just overdosed on Halloween. And while we're not working on a Halloween book right now, I don't think we've said the last we have to say about Halloween. So one day I'd love to return and explore it from a different angle with Travis. And hopefully that'll happen one day. Will you come back and talk to us again about Taking Shape 2? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because we're going to read that. We can, hey, I think there's more. I think there's more for us to talk about, even out with your books. I think having you on one of our watch-alongs would be pretty cool. We get together <laughs> like this, and we sit and watch something together with our audience, and they absolutely love it. For some reason, they love oh. watching movies with us. Uh, usually, they're really bad movies, though. Otherwise, we'd all be like, "Shh." Yeah, <laughs> well, you, you would kick me off because I'm a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000 and I would be making the worst jokes. You'd be like, please shut up, please shut up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'd love somebody to take that crown from me. So 
please. <laughs> Please come in. Now we, we 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 look at we tend to look at the really cheap, nasty horror movies on Amazon Prime. That's that's our uh, that, that's our bread and butter right now. For those, it's so much fun. Lamageddon as has to be a that has to be a highlight at this point. Wow, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Dustin. Um, like I say, we've I've just finished taking shape, and I'm ready to to take on the next taking shape part two. Uh, I have really enjoyed Slash of the Titans as well. I, had panned through that a wee while back uh, and i've even i'm even going to order the the movies the phantasm movies just so that i can watch them because if you've done that much work on it then it can't be shite so i'm <laughs> going to check that out and then check the books uh, and i'll get around to ordering them physically as well to go into my little collection that, of uh, movie memorabilia over there but it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on uh, you're welcome back anytime and we'll definitely hook up again in the future thank you guys it's been fun it's absolutely been... also it looks like you're wearing a jibber jabber podcast t-shirt throughout the whole oh, thing yes. like, i've got one on. <laughs> it totally looks like it that was not on purpose yeah <laughs> do you know what to do? Gonna... just just for merch. that if you s send us your address and we'll send you a t-shirt and <laughs> i actually mean it this time i'll pay for it <laughs> oh, yeah, i'm going to screenshot that and then put it on the, our website and say here's dustin wearing one of our lovely t-shirts <laughs> been amazing thanks again dustin and uh, thanks again for your time it's been brilliant and we will catch up with you soon mate. all right catch you later thanks guys thanks again guys take it easy guys thanks for watching Bye -bye.